Really, how bad was it for you? Internal demons are sometimes too strong to defeat alone. Problems that seem insurmountable. Can you say it's never crossed your mind? Honestly? Reality is hard to deal with sometimes. It's in substances that we often seek refuge. Sadly, this doesn't always get to the root of the problem. Time and time again, we see the same story. Unfortunately, some of these stories don't have happy endings. Realizing the last pages of the book are blank, or even worse, ripped out. Pretty sobering thought, isn't it? It shouldn't be this way. Never should the story end like this. A bit heavy for an intro, eh? Let's lighten it up a bit. Stay strong. I want to tiptoe around cliches, but they do such a fine job with their economy of words. Keep going. Whatever the demon is in your life, drugs, alcohol, food, games, intrusive thoughts, whatever, you can overcome it. You got this. The peaks in life are nice, but the valleys, the valleys, the tests, the despair, the hardships, this is where we forge the tools for our life. This is where we grow. This is where we learn. It may be scary staring at the peak of the mountain you have to climb, but always remember, the treasure you seek is in the cave you fear to enter. Be fearless. I'd like to give a special thank you to Frank Pietrangelo and Disco Dino Sicoli for their outstanding efforts in the ongoing battle to raise awareness for mental health back in my hometown. Keep up the great work, boys. Today's episode features Kyungsup Choi. He's a young whippersnapper wise beyond his years that burst into the Ulsan expat scene like a bat out of hell. It left many wondering who this guy was. He took us on a roller coaster ride in this episode that features a little bit of everything. After living in various countries throughout the world, he describes the resulting identity challenges he faced thus far, as well as his decision to pass on the road well traveled to create his own. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. to another episode of This Korean Life. Today we have K, or as you may know him from Ulsan Online, Che Kyungsip. I noticed you the first time on Ulsan Online when you were translating uh, Corona information or whatever. You were just uh, a name, I assumed a regular Korean that was whatever, wanted to, wanted to give a, a hand to the foreign community. And then you wrote this, and I Stop, it stopped me dead on a on like a Tuesday morning. Who is this guy? And then I I had connected you to the the coding meetup with Ben, and I asked him, and he told me you were twenty four at the time. It was uh, it was shocking. But anyways, I want to share uh, the the quote and kind of the situation that that led me to to recognize you as the as the special individual you are. For people who aren't in country, basically. Coronavirus hit Korea hardest in Daegu first, right? And this was an outbreak from the Shincheonji Church. You know, when a pandemic starts to starts to rip across a country, the it's so easy to to point fingers and um, and especially this was related to a church which is kind of regarded as a as a, a, cult. a cult, yeah. And people people weren't too too happy with it, so. You know, when you when you go online, the the environment can be poisonous, 
everyone's shitting on on the on the church and and, and it's easy to jump on board with that but um i'm gonna read the the leading the comments leading up and then what what Kay wrote and it was it was deadly at, at 24 years old i i would love to say that i, I would have said the same thing but in fact i would have jumped on the shit wagon and and and, and uh and started uh started talking smack about them too so basically the comments leading up to it or there was another confirmed case from a, a shinchanji member um, and everyone's saying, well, what are they, when they go, do they spit in each other's mouths? What are they doing here? Yeah, basically, you came in with, in my experience, it's the shaking hands when greeting and the holding hands when singing hymns. I don't think it's the religion that draws people to the churches. I think it's the human contact and positive community that mainstream society lacks. Dude, unreal. What a, you're are you sure you're 24? You got like the, the wisdom of like a 70 year old man. You know, we just had the recent outbreak on uh, August, August 15th, which which led to, you know, 400 cases. Uh, we spiked at 400, I think. About. Country, countrywide, about 400 cases. And still inside me, there's that, that anger. I'm just like, God damn, you know, why can't they just stay home? And there's still that, that anger inside me. And I always go back to that and like, this guy's like 10 years younger than me and he's got such a just the the way you approach it and that wasn't that wasn't even the only example i've seen people jumping on you like what are they gonna do for how's the city gonna help my business blah 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 and i mean these are friday saturday nights at you know late late to 10 11 o'clock and i wake up in the morning and see the that you're 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 handling these situations or or angry people with such what do you call it like uh grace yeah with such grace like you're just you're you <laughs> you're the only guy at 24 I've, i would have been sitting at the bar like he says jumping on the bandwagon with my own chirps but dude you you set out uh i remember you put one post and you had seven, seven citations <laughs> you referenced seven different journal articles so anyways that's uh that's how i met you <laughs> or that's how i was uh how i became aware of the force that is you um and I, I bet a lot of people out there all of our 10 listeners yeah we got about 10 about ten thousand. now the uh, uh all the listeners out there people in ulsan especially um who are wondering a little more about you i'm gonna shut up and and let you uh let you give a short introduction about yourself and just tell us what uh just just before you get into it i just want to say on behalf of the expats in Ulsan and, and even Daegu and stuff, guys who are reposting your stuff. Thank you so much for, for the work you've done and the time and the effort you put in because it was the same. My first impression was, who is this guy? Where'd he come from? You shot in like a bat out of hell. And I was like, where'd this guy come from? Mm-hmm. And it was a, a voice of reason. And you brought a, a, a well-educated perspective and articulated your thoughts and ideas very very well and it's something that usually we feel like the koreans it's usually us against them or them against us and it's hard to find guys that are on your team especially online when you can type whatever you want and don't have to be responsible for it so it kind of felt like finally we had someone on our team that understood a little bit about you know our point of view because i think a lot of foreigners do understand the korean perspective um and some are haven't adapted or fully adjusted yet but it was so nice to have a voice of reason and someone who could a bridge a bridge between the Right. Between the two. And so to have that, I think that's at first there was a lot of skeptics and some people were challenging you. And it would have been really easy to lose your cool 
and, and and go off. But yeah, you handled it so gracefully and and very very well, especially for your age. It's it's incredible. Yeah. So go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself. And like you said, nobody they only know you as uh, the Ulsan Korean. Center for Disease Control branch president here <laughs> with all the data. So tell us a little bit more about you. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank yeah. you, Nate, for the kind words and those compliments. I I really wish I was the person that you're describing me as, but I'm guess I'm more than just my writing on Ursan online, more than just the things on Facebook. I mean, I have flaws. I have mistakes. And Brian, thank you. And that's what we're here today to talk about. (laughs) I wrote down here, this guy seems way too pure and perfect. Does he have any, is there any dirt on him? (laughs) Like there's nothing on this guy. Nobody can, like, you can't be caught up in your, in your stories. Nothing. Yeah. Well, Brian, you constantly tell me that I'm very mature and wise for my age. And I guess it's because I have like 50 years worth of mistakes and failures to learn from. Yeah. I have done a lot throughout my life, Um, maybe a little bit too much, because when I was seven, my dad was pursuing his PhD in geology in Texas A&M. So I grew up four years in America, not the US, America, in Texas. (laughs) I did the Scholastic Book Fair, I ate the square pizzas, I made mud pies, I I learned I learned English. And it was it was fun and it was great. I was Is that called English in Texas? (laughs) (laughs) I guess so, but yeah. And yeah, I guess it became a part of me. Uh, the Western influence. It was very much internalized and it does influence a lot of my thinking to this day. But uh, I guess, well, my dad loves to tell two stories about me. Um, The first story is how I stopped a couple of bullies from bullying my little brother. And even though I didn't speak, I barely spoke English at that time, but he would tell everybody that I stopped those bullies and say, no, we Korean, we no speak English. And he would tell that story all the time. I um, thought you were going to say you gave him a roundhouse kick to the <laughs> noggin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that shows how I'm very empathetic. I have to stand up to something when I see something's wrong. Mm. But I've also made a few mistakes. I've also been on the wrong side of things. I've also thought I knew more about things when I barely knew anything. I, I'm still young. I'm still brash. I still overreach on occasion. But as we all do, as we all do, I guess I'm still learning, I guess. But I focus on that. I strive to learn. I strive to improve. And another story, my dad tells is how one day like a couple of months in after when I was like eight years old he told me that I didn't want to go to school and I would just grab at this wooden table we had and while my brothers got into the car he had to literally pry me from the table to get me into the car (laughs) and I think that shows another part of me how I'm I guess how I'm sensitive how I I get hurt very easily and that part of me does lead to a couple of flaws. It leads to a lot of misunderstandings, but it also helps me empathize with a lot of people because I can understand what people are going through when they're in an environment they don't fit in, when they feel persecuted or when they feel like they're being attacked. I understand that because 
I've been feeling that way since I was eight years old, I guess. And like after four years in Texas, I came back to Korea and I thought, finally, at least in America, I was always the odd one out. I was the Korean. I was the foreigner, especially in a small town in Texas. Mm. And I thought I would come back to Korea, my home, and I would finally fit in. I would no longer have to be the outsider. But, <laughs> but my Korean wasn't, your Korean wasn't flawless. Right? My Korean wasn't flawless. And I had this Western style of thinking. I stood out too much. I was a bit too good, a little bit too good at English while all the other kids struggled and <laughs> I was bullied relentlessly and I was so miserable as a little kid because even though I was like 11 or 12, I just realized that there's no place in this world where I belong in and I, and that's at 11 or 12 at 11 or 12 and that stuck, wow. stuck with me for a long while. I just realized that. I don't fit in Korea, I don't fit in America, and I was very depressed for... Yeah. Well, it's amazing that you had those thoughts at such a young age. I mean, I think we have those thoughts. I mean, I've been abroad almost 20 years now, but um, I have those thoughts also going home that it's exciting to see everyone for two days and then the luster wears off and nobody cares. I can't relate. I haven't lived there for so long, and I also feel like I don't fit in, but <clears throat> Koreans let me know all the time that I don't fit in here. Uh, but to have those thoughts at 11 and 12 is is pretty wild. I mean, especially there's a lot of kids who do do that going for three or four years and come back. And it just seems like they fit right in. And I'm not saying they don't feel different inside, but that they're still Korean. They speak Korean. And a year later, you must have caught up. Did it change or no? I guess a little, but... Or how long were you back for? I was back for, let's see, elementary five six middle first year i didn't finish the i didn't even finish the first year of middle school and i was <laughs> swept away to singapore oh no way. for two years and yeah i attended middle school in in singapore and so was that was that a relief yeah was that a breath of fresh like, air so you say that's like almost three years maybe you're back was that oh I didn't fit in in Korea, so I get another chance to try somewhere else? Or was that, oh my god, not again? I guess a little bit of both, because I was struggling to fit in to Korea. But, but you uh, must have started settling in after two or three years, no? Not really. Uh, maybe, a, maybe a little, but no. There was always that part of me that always stood out, I guess. And a really painful part of it was that I'm actually the middle child. I have an older brother and a younger brother, and oh yeah, that's the that's a well documented. Uh, so well doc oh, Nate's got two on each side, doesn't he? No, You're the one super middle. I know I got one above and three below. Yeah. But did your brothers also feel the same thing? Did you guys ever talk about it? No, they acclimated very well. Huh. They they had their own issues, but my issue was always not fitting in. I guess. Right. And. Yeah, and then I went to Singapore, and I was just there for two years, and then we had to go to the Middle East for dad's work, I guess. Mm. There was, I don't remember the details properly, but there was a terrorist attack on certain Koreans in Yemen, and yeah, I don't really follow the logic. I don't remember the reasoning, but because there was a terrorist attack in Yemen, he had to bring us to Yemen. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, no, wait. I think, I think what it was that my dad's company, KNOC, because certain people they were working for KNOC were 
thought of in danger, they were bringing the family members of the employees to certain safe places in Yemen. Mm. And my dad had to bring his family members to certain safe places in Yemen, even though we were in Singapore at the time. And I was in <laughs> Yemen for, yeah, I was in Yemen for a couple of months. And I guess in Yemen, it really opened my eyes about how the world works. Yeah. How, how privileged I was because, Absolutely. because I was in Texas, US, the richest country in the world. I was in Korea, pretty safe, pretty developed. I was in Singapore, a trade hub. It's millionaires everywhere. I, I thought that was how the, the world worked, but I was in Yemen and I saw people interacted with people who lived on less, like less than a dollar a day, who couldn't even take safety, shelter, food and water for granted. And I saw these businesses that had to live off of the Western world, I guess, of bootleg DVDs and bootleg games mm. and who had to like rip off of the Western world because they couldn't make their own, I guess. Mm. Because Yemen, even because I left before they were, before the fighting and the wars got really bad, but there was always poverty. There was always a starvation and... So you were you were in a, a safe place there? I was in a safe place, but we still went out and right. we still interacted with people and Is a safe place there like a gated community or Yeah, kind of like a gated community. Okay. But But as soon as you leave that, you're in the regular Yemen. Yeah, but I remember certain stuff like like <laughs> little kids just looking at me with these little haunting eyes and just I realized that you're a lot more privileged than you know. Yeah, I was a lot more <laughs> privileged than I know. And I remember this, and I remember getting to this car and there was this little kid who held the door open who and there was this desperation in his eyes and he was even like, even like one-tenth of my weekly allowance then would have meant a lifetime change for him. Right. And I wanted to do something for that kid, but the bodyguard, the escort that we had just pushed him away and just... Yeah. Do you still feel now, after all your experiences, that you wanted to do something for him? Yeah. And I... And do you, in all your travels and your time, have you ever seen the effects of what happens when you do that? Because I, I used to live in Africa, and I had very yeah. similar things every single day. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing they told us going there, and we were affiliated with UN or NGO, and they said, don't give anybody anything. Yeah. For, for six months, don't give anybody anything. Because the mentality is that... If I give the first kid a piece of bread, the whole village is going to line up for bread and knock on my door every day as the savior who has the bread, the t-shirt, the water, whatever. I guess so. And then you can't deal with yourself and you it takes you down and you end up leaving hmm. because it just you just can't help that many people. You're only one person. So I, I run into that all the time and someone is desperately in need of something. And, but if I help them, the whole village is going to line up and bang down my door. And it just, it's just impossible. You can't do it. And it's its a really hard thing to deal with. Um, but that's why I'm just wondering if you, like, I think that's probably a good thing because every day the people saw you, they would have attacked you and, oh, please, please, please help, 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 help. And, and it's really, really hard to, to process. I know, but I felt this immense guilt because we right. were staying in nice hotels, eating really good food. <laughs> and I was, um, I we had some parties i guess we hung out with some ambassadors kids and these were spoiled kids who flew first class who had the fanciest toys and stuff like that and then the disparity right right there yep. when like less than 
100 meters away where kids couldn't even take you know basic shelter for granted it's it was a demoralizing it, it was demoralizing it, it it messed with my mind there was this horrible guilt that racked i i was not living with ambassadors i was in a village outside the refugee camp and i learned that if i did something on the camp if i could provide food for one person they would walk eight kilometers to my house the next morning to ask for something else because they saw me give it to another person yeah. and and i was not living you know the rich and to do life but I, I felt the same guilt that you can't help those. And you have to say either, listen, you say no to everybody or say yes. And you'll probably end up leaving in a in, week or two weeks because you a, can't a, handle the, the emotions. I think that's what uh, our friend Scott Rotzel, he worked for an NGO in Cambodia. Uh, in Cambodia. Cambodia Children's Fund. Cambodia Children's Fund. And that basically, I think it was a, a Hollywood director, wasn't it? It was a Hollywood director who went there and saw kids like, hanging out in, in in a garbage dump and that was their that was their means of food and mm -hmm. I mean they'd get some recyclables and, and resell it. And he and he went like Nate was saying, you can do all all or nothing. And he went all in. He sold everything right. and said, you know what? Boom, I'm I'm living here and he, he gave up this this life in uh, in Hollywood to to uh, And it's still it's one of the most it's one it's of the best building. Yeah, yeah. charities or, or NGOs still in, getting, in Cambodia. Still getting bigger. Very successful wild but that's i mean to to sacrifice your whole life that's not something that that's not everyone's calling or i don't think it's your your duty yeah. either either to do it you know but a, a lot of people just can't handle it and i don't blame any i mean it's it's very like you say like i was there for two years and and in about 16 countries in west africa and everywhere you went and i said you could have had no money no education no anything just been a vagabond traveling the world and they would think you're the savior because that's what they've been shown. That's what they've been taught. Even, you know, I had the scruffy beard. I had, I had nothing. I had flip-flops and a pair of shorts and a tank top. But they think you're there to save them. And I think a lot of that, I think, comes from the missionaries that zip in, zip out, do their thing. And my experience in the refugee camp with seven different denominations of churches there was that every week, three or four of them would come in with these savior trucks of, we have bread, we have t-shirts, we have water. And then they run away and they don't come back for a week. But the whole time they're coming to see me because I'm there every day. Hey, you have to give us some bread. You have to give us some water. How come you can't give us some rice? And so I I didn't like that feeling. And I, I kind of despise those visits of, you know, churches at home are giving money to the pot to go and make Africa good. It's not how it works. I'm there every day for a year and you guys are coming and going and they look to me for the same support which I can't provide them. I mean, you can see that that's that that occurs everywhere. That's the show up for show up for one day of volunteering and, and snap uh, snap a selfie and, and bump yourself up on the on the social media, you know. Well they though I remember the one organization or the one church had dug two wells in the refugee mm -hmm. camp. Great, they came for two weeks, dug two wells, okay, there's fresh water. They go home, put it in the newsletter, blah, 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 blah. Mm. We saved the camp. We had refugees from 15 different nations, uh, about 14,000 refugees. And within six or eight months, the well was contaminated. Mm. And a lot of the refugees got sick. Mm. But that doesn't make the newsletter. Mm. And I'm there with other people who have to deal with all these fallouts. Meanwhile, they're celebrating their accomplishments back home in the church. So that, that really irritated me while I was there. I really got a new perspective of how how this system works so experiencing all those you said those kind of heart-wrenching situations 
I know you're you were still young, but did you reflect back on your time in Korea and be like, you know, my my problems weren't so big, or did it still uh, did it still bother you? Yeah, I felt that. I felt like. You know the the bullies. Yeah. The, the bullies aren't so bad. I got a I got a house and water <laughs> and you know. Hey, you were you were how old in Singapore? Fourteen. Well, I was in middle school. Um, mm. I didn't go to high school, but I got the math as fourteen to sixteen years. Yeah. They call it secondary school there, yeah. but yeah, yeah. A, a little. No, I. Well, reflecting on it, but at the time when I'm in the middle of the problems in the middle, and it does seem like the biggest things in the world to Absolutely. me. Absolutely, hundred percent. Any any problem that you're, and you'll see as you as you grow up, reflection is a uh, is a huge part in life. And I mean, we've all had problems go. I mean, my my high school was was a really difficult time, and looking back, I go. Oh my God! If if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be the hero I am today. Yeah, <laughs> it's a huge part of growing and maturing, being able to introspect and being able to reflect on your past and to learn and to grow from it. And yeah. I say we those things on Facebook pop up seven years ago, and I'm like, I did that. Oh, I would yeah. never do that now. Yeah. What is that? But you have to be able to sit down and, and reflect and and to grow from from what you've experienced a really ironic thing is that i went from yemen and straight from there i went to dubai one of the richest places in the world oh, whoa, wow. yeah and whoa. i spent like a year there and you know i went to american school of dubai filled with rich kids filled with you know sons and daughters of ambassadors CEOs, cfos and i, I gotta ask you yeah <laughs> What what is your what did your dad do? Was he a? Uh, um, he's KNOC. Right. Yeah. But what, but what, he was chief of exploration, I believe. Okay. He was he he got his PhD in geology, and he was he found oil, like he examined the data, and he found he found oil and you know natural gas deposits and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, and I was I was there and. We had some we had some really crazy times. I guess Dubai was the craziest time of my life because <laughs> that's what I pictured Dubai as. Yeah, you you have young Western kids and you have young Western kids with too much money to spend, and you have young Arab kids who have who grew up in a conservative world, but they have a lot of money and luxury, so they're very willing to rebel and you know you hear you hear about how hamid crashed his lamborghini and he just got a ferrari as a replacement and he's complaining about his <laughs> and he's complaining about his ferrari and then it's it's un, it's unreal and you you see that and you see you and then you see all the kids trying to outdo each other and bragging about like how they stayed in this fancy hotel how their dad or their mom is this or this whatever i think one kid was one kid was like dad was the CEO of Ford or something. I, I, I don't really quite remember, but these kids would do do all of that. And so where where did you fit in in that group? If these are the ultra rich, was there a lot of people like you whose parents had had just expat jobs there? Oh, yeah. Or or was were you the far minority or? Well, I guess everybody, I guess it was an eclectic enough group that I wasn't really quite the outsider, but um i was i guess the 
smart one, I guess. While all the kids, they, you know, they went to school, but they didn't get really good grades and they didn't try a lot because they knew they had trust funds or they knew they would get a job in their dad's or whatever company. But I would get my, most of my schoolwork done. Whenever we were on group projects, I was the one doing the majority of the work. So I guess I was known for the kid with the good grades. So how do you stay so focused in an environment full of, of so much of that? Is it knowing that you don't have that to, to fall back on? Or, I mean, I would, even if I didn't, if I was in your spot, I would be, I'd be over those guys. I'd be tagging along and, and riding shotgun in the Ferrari replacement. How, how do you stay so focused to lead the groups and do the work? Because they were, in a way, I guess, irresponsible, a little bit immature. Right. And that would have been me. And <laughs> like these kids would go swimming in the beaches and then one kid would get stung by a jellyfish. And because they don't want to go telling their parents or stuff like that, they would call me up and go like, what do we do for a jellyfish sting? Piss, on, piss on his leg. And I'd piss, on, uh, piss on his leg. And then whatever, I'd come and then, you know, I'd help do first aid. And whatever, this girl, girl is struggling with biology homework or was it biology marine biology it was marine biology and then she goes like my parents will kill me if i don't get a good grade and i'll help out her with her schoolwork yeah. and oh my god well, i tried that a few times in high school but yeah. they weren't so willing to help <laughs> all those all those little little steps or extra efforts that that builds character and, yeah. you know in the in the end you you're uh, you're the one benefiting from that man <laughs> i hope so and yeah. well they used to have these really idiotic parties called farm parties farm parties farm parties oh, where they would get hey, lamborghini combines no where they would, <laughs> I, I i wish it was that they would get as much pharmaceuticals as right. meds okay. or as oh, drugs sh- as skittle skittle parties yeah as their parents as they could get from their parents or as they could score and they would put it in a bowl and they'd just oh, mix it up and no. they would just randomly take them and they would mix it with alcohol Oh, that's so stupid. I know, I those know. Are, those are at home. They're called Skittles parties. My sister in the, is the nurse, and she has to deal with all those kids. What are you on? I don't know. Everybody goes to their grandparents and raids the medicine Smoking. cabinet, comes to the party, yeah, dumps yeah, them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Smoking. everybody's grandparents in Canada or America are on some kind of prescription, diabetes, Man. blood pressure, Smoking weed, hypertension. eating mushrooms, totally fine. You still, like, yeah. Man, you start taking random pills. No. What if it's an upper or a downer? Like, Ex- what if it's a blood thinner? You you could die, man. Exactly. These That's were immature, shit, irresponsible man. kids who were just acting out and who were just taking stupid risks because they didn't have to deal with consequences right. their yeah. lives. And and regardless of what they do, it's not like you fail your class. You're you're not gonna go to university. You're not gonna get a job. There's no. They always have, like you said, they have the, the trust funds to fall back on. Yeah, and the kids, they didn't look down on me because I was, like, poor or anything. They actually, a lot of them just told wish they were me because I guess they didn't put a lot of effort into themselves. They didn't build themselves up. Yeah, and sure. they saw me trying and they saw me practicing and getting good getting good grades and getting good at certain stuff. Money, but, money can be like a, yeah. it'll break your leg and then be the be your crutch. Yeah, yeah. I guess too much of a crutch, too much of a training wheels, maybe. That never, it's, that never. It's that off. superficial shell, yeah. which is the envy of everybody, but the inside is just empty. Yeah, there's, there's nothing there. Yeah, I remember this girl who was a whose dad was a millionaire or something, and then she was, she had everything, she was comfortable. But I was doing this drawing, and then 
she was in my math class, so she knew I was good at math. And then she was like, hey, you can draw too. And I was like, yeah. And then and then she was like, that's so unfair. And But so many people will look to her life and say, that is so unfair. But she looked at me being able to do math and draw. And then she was like, that's so unfair. Dude, the, the grass is always greener. Exactly. Yeah. The grass is always greener. grass is always greener. The grass is always right. greener. So a year in Dubai, and then where did you go after that? Well, then I came back to Korea. And I told my mom, mom, I, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I, I cannot adjust to another school. I cannot do another group of friends. I cannot do that again. I'm just going to homeschool myself. And any other Korean mother would have said, no, you're going to school. You're going right. to go to Sky. You're going to get a good job and whatever. Right. But my mom was very understanding. She knew that her sons were different. She knew that we didn't walk the same paths as all the other Korean kids. And she found this global homeschool something academy mm-hmm. and so like my sign your kids up Nate yeah and then so <laughs> she could, so that we could study at home and then we could get accredited and then we could get a GED and then we could go for the SAT and she supported me she let me homeschool myself and I got really good grades on my SATs and so just I just want to go back a sec you must have came home around second year or third year of high school right I think I was I'm not quite sure I didn't graduate high school um I no, but that's what I mean. The, the most critical year of schooling in Korea is your third year of high school where you're taking the standard academic tests, Yeah, which is what no mother would ever let their kid not do that. So yeah. to be that understanding, my buddies just came back from Abu Dhabi and they were with the Korean nuclear company nuclear and they've been there for five for five years. And this is this is a really interesting story. So Soho graduated and he got into Western Michigan or first he was at the University of Oregon, I think, and then he transferred to Western Michigan. Now he's studying aviation. He's going to be a pilot there. And his sister, Gio, is in high school too, mm-hmm. second year high or her junior year of high school. But it's so uncomfortable to think of assimilating back into Korean culture yeah, after five years there that they went back. Dad's transferred back to here now. He's living up uh, close to just north of Pohang. And... Mom and daughter went back to finish high school in Abu Dhabi mm-hmm. because they can't fathom, they can't even think of getting back into here for Gosam, yep. the Sunung, yep. and the national tests here. It's weird how you get like uh, you get into that rutted path that everyone that you know that most people are on, and once you once you take a step back and you look, you know, from as an outsider looking in, you're like, what are they doing? If what her if her doing? mom could talk to your mom and you could talk to her. I'm sure they would do what you did mm. because now they look, they would look at you and think, okay, you know, he, he, he did good. He got into university. No problem. <laughs> well, 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 actually, yeah, I do want to mention that because I know a lot of people like would say drop out of university, don't walk your own path and stuff like that. But based on my experience, I'm a very, very small minority. I'm... It takes a certain kind of resilience, I guess, to walk your own path because a lot of people will resist you. A lot of people will try to hammer you down to that conformity. Sure. And a lot of people will criticize you and say, you shouldn't do this. Everyone else does this and stuff yeah, like that. But then once you, I mean, once you, once you brush off the, the initial, the initial hammering, man, you come out smelling like roses on the other side and then yeah. you're, you're renowned for. Yeah. But you're moving where? Korea. North, south. It's pretty close. Why, why don't you go to like Italy or France? Because I'm going to Korea. Oh, are you sure? Did you really think about? Yeah, I did. I'm going to Korea, and and you know I've been here 15, 16 years now. So sometimes, uh, 
I, I mean, any motivational speaker or whatever, they'll always say, man, walk your own, walk your own path. Don't listen to the, don't listen to the haters and just keep, keep hammering on. So, so these two kids that came back, uh, I play hockey with their father. We started the hockey teams in Ulsan in 2008 mm -hmm. and the kids started playing with us before there was a kids team. Yeah. So I, I coached the kids. I taught them how to skate and how to play hockey from a very young age. So they came, when they came back, we went for dinner with the family and it blows my mind how mature they are compared to their Korean equivalents, how global they are. And their friends are from all over and their friends are Arabs and Muslims and Christians and Buddhists and, and, and all skin colors. And it's amazing to me, the experience. And he was so hesitant to go there. And I said, I said, Hyung, this is the best move you could do for you and your family. I mean, the job is what you do. You're good at it. The money is good. You're not going somewhere poor and difficult. There will be a transition period. But coming back, the reason I say you say you have to be resilient, she doesn't like it there now. Mm. She really is really, really homesick for Korea. And especially coming back for like a month and going back. Oh, if you just stay there, I think it's one thing. But Watakata coming back, yeah. Mom, I don't want to go back. I want to stay here. And she said, I don't like it. I want to stay in Korea. Mm. And I think that would be the motivation necessary to do that. And I think she's had a, a similar experience, like traveling all over the Middle East and seeing all those different kind of things. But yeah, all the power to you, man. I, I'm a big supporter of walking your own path. I love it. Good yeah, for you. But it, yeah, it really takes a lot of resilience. A, yeah, a resilience and a certain mix of qualities because you need resilience. You need hard work. I get up like at 6 a.m. almost every day because so I can get started on all the things I want to accomplish. But not everyone can do that. I guess I learned that during when I was homeschooled, when I would learn to be to manage my own schedule, to be productive. You were you weren't coddled like the, like a lot of the youth. <laughs> I think and I it, it sounds like I'm we're taking a dump on Korea. I don't know how things work Always. at home, but it <laughs> no, but it, I because I, I I have no reference for how things work at home outside of my outside of my family. But it seems like here a lot of even into into university, man, moms are. You get a call from the mom like my my daughter's mark is in height like what i had it i had it at unis <laughs> one guy came with his mom <laughs> to challenge his grade uh, so <clears throat> then i have a question for you if do you think that because you were moving around and going and coming in so many places for me that's all i always like that it's so interesting and, and and intriguing and there's always discovering new things do you think uh that or did that keep you away from being in the corner on your phone all day and that's how you're able to experience all these things because so many kids here lack experience and an independence because they're tied to their phone but being there with other multinational people at school who have different ways of raising kids different ways of thinking i mean it must create a much bigger sense of independence for you and take you away from all the phones and games or no because i think that's what holds back so many kids these days is that they just aren't open to getting the experiences you did because they're too tied to their technology. He's smiling. He's got a League of Legends uh, <laughs> gold status. No. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no games? My big brother is... Do you know TSM? No. Uh, my big brother used to be, um, uh, I guess, world-class League of Legends player. Wow. No, really? You can Google him and he comes up. He was in the original lineup for TSM, one of the in North America's biggest teams. And no he was like third best during season two or season three, I guess.
Man, wow. growing up, the <laughs> only awesome. thing our parents said was like, turn that shit off. <laughs> it's like... Get outside and play? No, not even that. Like, what's it going to do for you? You can't, you can't get a... You can't have a job playing video games. <laughs> now every kid aspires to be a YouTuber or a pro gamer. But look at look at the... I don't know. It wasn't League of Legends. What's the other popular one in the States? Overwatch? Some, or kid, some kid won... Warcraft. Oh, Fortnite. Fortnite, yeah. The kid won like $3 million. Yeah. He's 15. Fortnite's yeah, it's huge. Be, it's, it's, becoming, it's becoming huge, but my brother was able to walk that path because my mom and dad... Well, they didn't like... They didn't fully support it, but I guess they tolerated it because... My brother said, you know what, I'm not going to school. I'm going to become a professional video game player. And my parents resisted for a while, but, you know, they let him. They gave him full access to internet. So they just let him do his own thing because they, my parents realized from a like middle school or from elementary school, like, we were special. We were something else and that they didn't know how to raise us. Right. And honestly, we developed a lot of issues because of that because my dad didn't... He could have been more hands-on, but he was more like hands-off and a lot of, and I guess what we talk, me and my brothers talk about it a lot, a lot and a lot, like we see dads being like more in touch with their sons and it goes like, and we long for that, I guess. But I guess my dad gave us the space to be ourselves. <clears throat> and that's something that we, we talk about too, having young kids, like how much time should you spend with them? How much should you let them? Because it's... You know, given the if you if your dad didn't have to work or whatever, and he had, you know, all the time in the world to to play with you or whatever, you might reflect back on it and go like, oh fuck, dad was oh so overbearing or you know he was he was always grass is always greener and the maybe the time spent was quality time, you know, time you spent with your dad's quality time, and if it's if he's always there, it's not quality time. It's just quality over quantity. It's just hanging out, right? Yeah. So we say often it's the same going home. We only go home for three weeks or four weeks, mm-hmm. but it's better than being home all the time. Yeah. You're home for two years. You don't even say hello to each other waking up in the morning. You just get out, go to your job, come home. And with your dad working too, another he's showing you a strong work ethic, which I think you've, you've picked up, right? Yeah. And that's not something maybe he sat down and said, like, listen, see me, I got my PhD, moving 10 countries, crushing my, crushing my job, and I want you to do it. But it's kind of a, something that you see something that you see him doing and, and yeah. you're you're walking a, a similar path. No, he yeah, he taught me by example and he he encouraged my um love of books. Like if I asked for a book, my dad would instantly buy it because he Playboy? He, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it he thought it was the best habit in the world to read books and I would I agree with him. Yeah, and that would be buried in a book every time we went for a drive or wherever we went. And my dad, encur- my dad encouraged that. It's a, it's a new world in there, man. Yeah, it a, is. In a it, book. it is a new. So now I'm curious. What does your younger brother do? <laughs> exactly. Uh, my brother, <laughs> yeah, my brother is a, prof- my big brother is a professional video game player, and I do my own stuff with the, uh, with Ryan at Doctor English, organizing meetups and. Oh that's my, enough plugs for stuff. one. It's uh, <laughs> enough plugging this goddamn business. <laughs> and you, you have. And then we have my little brother who is trying to become the next Banksy. Wow. Banksy. I don't know. Artist, no? Yeah, the graffiti artist. Sure. 
Well, that shows how cultured I am. My my awesome education. Is didn't he? Didn't he just do a boat, a fishing, an abandoned fishing boat or something? I know. I know. And then it caught fire. Yeah, and he does. He does. He his, painted it bright pink. Well, well yeah. This, yeah. Banksy is you know the graffiti artist, the performance artist who very much he doesn't reveal his identity because he's going against the culture of. Like and wasn't his also the picture that went at the auction for unreal amount and then it and went, then exactly it got shredded and shredded and, <laughs> and my little brother he loves that you see my big brother I think he's yeah. I think Banksy is a, is an incredible inspiration it, it's not something that people have seen a lot of and it's it's very untraditional it is um and it, it'll inspire a lot of people it is I mean we my, me and my brothers we all went through the same experiences sis but we came out of it such different paths because <laughs> yeah. my big brother he was the one thing like we went to all these countries but he kept winning awards he kept winning contests he kept getting the best grades and i guess he huh. internalized that winning being the best because he right. is the big he is the eldest brother and there was a lot of expectations on him and i guess that instinct that desire ah. is inside inside and, and it must be incredible because korea is probably one of the hardest countries in the world to be the best at yeah because everybody's trying in canada lots of people aren't trying to be the best they're just trying to do their thing yeah okay. but I, in korea everybody's trying i've to seen be some best. of his banksy before yeah and <laughs> and then he and then he did that and he became an incredible league of legends player i mean they measured his in they measured his response time and it was under 0.2 seconds and i'm like my <laughs> wow. god and and then I was like, my God! But lucky he's not in Texas with that kind of reaction speed. <laughs> yeah, eh? yeah, but then <laughs> he leveled off, kind of. He plateaued. He plateaued, and he got booted off the teams a lot, and he fought, argued with people, and he kind of got a little toxic because that instinct is a little bit toxic. Because my brother is just like me; he struggles to be accepted. He struggles to because it comes, you know, the desire to win it comes from a place of insecurity like if you don't win if you're not the best then yeah. you're not going to be accepted or loved you'll only be celebrated if you're number one and which is a, a huge social issue in korea exactly and you league of legends it's a team game you there's a coach there's five players and so my brother used to be a player but then he got constantly booted off team so his tsm the original team brought him on as a coach and he kept clashing with people because he had a lot of issues and he got worse and worse and uh, until he couldn't be hired anymore but sometimes that drive works against you right it, that, do that, uh... it does and seeing like how he is on social media i guess he lost a bit of that fire and now he's like a content creator and you can see him constantly getting into arguments with people online and people him being attacked and yeah. getting into immature arguments and He's gonna take a he's gonna take a page from the book of little brother. Yeah? <laughs> I, I I don't think I don't think he ever will, but I in a, in in a way I want him to succeed in his own way. I want him to because he has so much talent and he has so much to give. But absolutely, and sometimes man, it's not sometimes it doesn't it doesn't click until you're yeah. thirty or forty, right? It's yeah, like, it's just finding the place where you do where you are appreciated, where you do fit in, where where you are welcomed. And, and sometimes you have to try for a long time before you, you reach that point. It is. Mm. And I guess how I grew up was that I wanted to... I guess the simplest way to put me in one sentence is I want to try to make a kinder world. Mm. And I want to recognize that there are people who came before me and they have their own visions and they have this own foundation that there are things that I've taken for granted and I want to build on that. 
like Andre, he started the meetups here. And if he hadn't started the meetups here, I probably wouldn't have my job. I probably wouldn't have gotten so far as a software developer. But he mentored me. He gave me a place to grow. And what, and he made me um, free co-camp Ursan admin. And he helped me learn how to manage. And I helped manage to organize the meetups now. And yeah, he helped me to grow a lot. And he had this vision of the foreign teachers here, not just being foreign teachers, but to be able to be, get jobs to, to as developers. Well, we've just, tried to advocate that for years that we're not just teachers. Like we do, we can do a lot of stuff. And I mean, we run the NGO. Yeah. He used to fight Muay Thai in Korea. <laughs> I coach two hockey teams. It's not just, oh, every, every white person or every foreigner you see is either a immigrant, uh, international student or a teacher. And I, th I wonder before how many engineers got confused for being teachers and stuff. Yeah. When when there were so many engineers here, if you were caught in Mugadong as an engineer, you go, oh, you're, where do you teach at a hagwon? Yeah. No, I make half a million dollars as an engineer <laughs> at the shipyard. Which hagwon do you teach in Samson? <laughs> yeah. And, so yeah, and so I guess I inherited that vision from him, and he and I try to continue that dream of teaching people to code so we have people at university um who are computer science majors we have ben who was an english professor but he he's what 40 50 and he's transitioning to be a software developer and he yeah. built an entire app almost by himself and i am amazed at that and i'm inspired by that and i am like proud to call uh, myself a fellow fcc or an admin because his maturity Good. his the way the way that he does things, I, I I wish more of that would rub off on me. And I, I like I I worked with Ben for a year at Unist, mm -hmm. my last year, his first year. Um, but I mean, we've known each other for years and years and years here. But I really like that he took the bull by the horns and he's writing his own story and he's in control of the transition. Not so many people that get stuck here and stuck in the rut and they just sit back and wait for stuff to happen yeah. instead of going out and making it happen. And he's really, he really took the pen in his own hand and he's writing his own story, which is, I really commend him for that. And I admire him that he's taken the necessary steps to do what he wants to do, not let someone else choose what he has and to he's, do. And he's been here, sorry, he's been here for a while too. And it's, we've had older, older friends who have told me being the youngest, usually in the, in the group that, you know, Korea can, uh, it can be like a sticky honeypot. Like where you, you come in, it's good, it's easy money, but as you as you get older you gotta you should start looking at other other alternatives. And, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and we joke around a lot like Ben will used to be drinking buddies with King Sejong or something. He's been yeah. here so long. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. We've we've seen the evolution of Ulsan over the years and it's it it's been a wild mm -hmm. a wild ride. I mean there's it been a lot, a lot of changes. It um, is awesome to see uh to see him doing that and something i realized i saw nate go through and do his his master's degree i'm watching ben you know learn learn to code i don't know what his uh, what his experience was like before but i started my master's last year and two weeks in i thought oh man i'm not doing this it's it's a two-year it's a two-year program there's no way i'm doing this this is crazy what am i doing and then i don't know where i heard it but they said in two years you're going to be two years older, whether you do the work or not. Like I'm going to turn 37 in two years, whether I wanted to put the work in and have a master's then, or, you know, the time's, time's not stopping for anyone. So. Yeah. And I, yeah, I totally get that. I mean, at 
at Ben's age, everyone would say, no, you can't make a career change or stuff like that. But he just, he signed up for a boot camp and he has to get up at like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. But he puts in that hard work and effort and that dedication. And I admire that. Absolutely. So much. That's yeah. something for, for everyone to, uh, to everyone to, uh, to aspire to, man. And it's never, it, these days, man, well, I mean, if you have any any experience with computers or whatnot, you can you can jump into that. It, it takes maybe a year to get your feet wet, but I think there's lots of opportunity. We used, <clears throat> I grew up in in a place where I thought if I didn't land a job that would last my whole life, like I, I felt very insecure living at home and and thinking like, oh, my job could could be, you know whatever job I chose to get, it could go away tomorrow, and and I carried that here forever, man. Mm. In that, like you said, Sky and the, like I came in two thousand three, and man, that's all anyone talked about or thought about was Sky and Hyundai, especially here in Ulsan, Hyundai SK, Hyundai SK, LG, and that was your only options. If you didn't do that, you were seen as a complete failure. Yeah. Because, but but even back then, it's the, the companies have changed a lot. But man, Hyundai would sell you cars at you know thirty five percent off. They have. They own their own resorts, and you get you know free passes to the ski resorts, to the water park resorts. They pay for your kids' education. Yeah. I mean, if you, it was seen as if you made it there, you're set. Yeah. Because you're you're taken care of. But now that the rest of Korea's kind of cotton up, and, and now everyone's kind of educated, and there's a lot more options. It, it's it's a little bit different. It doesn't run the same way anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think just people are maybe it's just the newer generation, but people are realizing maybe. You know, going and nothing against the, a factory worker, but it's not for it's not for everyone. It's not. It's not for everyone to to go in and, and use the machine and then come home. I worked in a, in a factory, and it is the the one definite positive of it is once you're done work, you go home. You, I'm not thinking about work when I finish a class here. I come, man. It never teaching is. It's always on your mind. What what am I teaching next? What do I have to prep? what um you know it's always that's one kind of downfall but i find um i find great satisfaction in, in creating and whether it's materials or i mean we're doing the uh we hope or or this awesome podcast which you you should subscribe to right? <laughs> I, I think uh i think a something that we've kind of kind of tried to open people's eyes to or open open mom's eyes to because they're the mostly responsible for their kids' education here is if you look at the happiness index or the quality of life, it doesn't matter if you if you go to Sky, if you get a job and you hate your life. You're, you're way better off being a baker or a mechanic or something else and loving what you do every day and, and having a high you know quality of life. And if you look at the countries where the, the quality of life or the happiness index is very high, they don't have all those pressures like Korea has. I mean, it's a. But how much of the how much of the push from moms is from their insecurities or you know their inability to deal with other moms who are my kids in this hagwon, my kids in that hagwon. How I many moms to, have the backbone mm, to stand up and say, you know what, my kid's doing his own no, thing. It's the you same as you walk in the other path. Yeah. I used to ask the moms, did you go to to Sky? <laughs> no. And you're then, still alive. Then oh, why man. why do you insist your kid goes? Did you get Bechtom on all your tests? <laughs> no. Then <laughs> then why are you expecting her to? Yeah. And, and then it's kind of like hmm. Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, and if I can touch on that, um, like recently, yeah, you're, yeah, like you guys have found me on Facebook. A lot of people have 
found me on Facebook and you guys weren't the only person people to approach me. And there was a investment firm in Seoul mm. and they saw I could do data analysis and that I did coding and that I was bilingual. Oh. And so they made me a very lucrative job offer, I guess. Mm. And it was a lot of money and I actually turned it down mm. because I saw that and I realized that I would get swallowed up by this company. <laughs> I would do one thing there constantly analyzing numbers and I would just be a human calculator and I would be well compensated. I would get a lot of money, but that's what I would, that's the only thing I would do and stuff like that. You and you don't need a balance. Now. Yeah. And yeah. I would, it would have been very stressful because I would have had to adapt. To, I, I don't like the Korean work, work culture. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like the hierarchy of right. this person is above me. This person, I have to, do, have you, you ever, go to the human calculator, but your first six months will be spent getting coffees and, and, and fetching papers for the, for the higher ups. Exactly. Have, shit faced on a Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever read outliers? I think it's, it's uh, no, we'll get the, well yeah it's, it's by it's by Malcolm Gladwell yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's this very interesting case study about how Korean airlines used to be one of the most dangerous airlines okay because they used I've to, I've uh, heard I've the, read excerpts and stuff on their yeah. stuff are submissive to the right. exactly yeah, yeah. exactly there's a four man team in the cockpit yeah. but because of the Korean culture of hierarchy when the main pilots <laughs> the <laughs> captain is tired or whatever needs the co-pilot to take over the co-pilot can't contradict the pilot the main pilot the captain he can't say you know maybe we're headed toward a mountain maybe you should let me take over he can't say that right. go get my mixed coffee exactly so <laughs> exactly so korean airlines instantly switch that if you're going to work for us you have to speak english there's no korean spoken at all because the the language is it's a hierarchical exactly language, right? and there's this thing called code switching like depending on what language you're speaking in your personality yes. the way you approach things it changes and it worked korean airlines became one of the most dangerous to one of the safest ever because they were allowed it went from that hierarchical to the more horizontal organization where the co-pilots whichever instead of saying um something like in chundemar in the formal language mm. hey could you please let me take over goes like hey yeah you're tired go take a break i'll i'll, I'll handle yeah. this from now you can just say that yeah and i imagine doing that at the korean investment firm about say yes <laughs> sir whatever sir you know what you're actually wrong because i'm right about these numbers and but i wouldn't be able to contradict people really? i wouldn't be able to say i'm smarter i know this i mean you could but you just get tossed out exactly. the window exactly <laughs> taken out with the trash exactly so i so i i turned that down i turned that down and a lot and Good i for you. and i turned and i told that to a lot of people and they goes like how could you turn down that so so much money and i was like and i had to explain that i would be in hell but it is you you like you're getting compensated for it, it probably pays that much because it's shit and you don't and you and, and most people wouldn't enjoy it but in korea there's a lot of those jobs that don't pay well that are very taxing yeah. mentally taxing they uh i i was teaching a young woman who's now working at a a small company up in seoul and she said she sent me back i was training her for interviews and stuff and she said i don't get any days off hmm. and she said in the contract it said i get weekends off yeah. and i get two weeks vacation and she says i get none and somehow someone from Amazon found her on, uh, what's it called? LinkedIn. What's LinkedIn. Found her on LinkedIn and said, hey, you sound like someone we'd be interested in. We'd like to call you in for an interview. And she goes, what should I do? I said, absolutely. Tell your boss you're sick today and go for the interview and go and meet him. Um, so she's going through that process now. But she said, oh, I would do anything to get out of this. I work 12 hours a day. And she's not compensated well for it. 
I mean, when when it takes up your whole day, every day your uh, of your life, it's it's terrible. We used to, we both worked a lot, man, in our in our early years, and we look look back, man, like there was no there were there was it was fun teaching, but I mean, it's not it's not as satisfying as is doing a podcast like this or having an afternoon off or. But I was also a lot more immature back then, mm-hmm. and that's when it was work party, work party, work party. Yeah. I don't now. I'm married with kids, and 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 I don't need to do that stuff. So I got it all out of my system then. Yeah. Um. And do you guys know Pals and John Worth by any chance? Yes. Yeah. He actually approached. Well, yeah. He there was this incident. I think you guys saw it on Usan Online where this girl was in a car accident and she needed negative blood, and I offered to do translations for anyone willing to Ooh. donate blood, and John Worth he. I guess he wanted to help out, but he was trying to insert himself as much as he can into the situation. And I guess, yeah, I get it. He wants to help out. He wants to do what he can. This girl needs, this girl's life's in danger and foreigners can help because, uh, what is it? Positive blood is, yeah, yeah, everyone has positive blood in Korea and only foreigners, it's negative blood is, yeah, because of those, you know, the blood typing. Anyway, and he was doing that and... I guess he's a good guy. Everyone says he helps a lot, but the way that he says stuff, like there was this ego and this insecurity about like, I'm not just some kind of guy on the street, whatever. And he was like talking down to me and then saying like, I have, I run an organization of a thousand people or whatever. And, and I will, I was on the phone and it was a misunderstanding. Like I was doing something and instead of him trying to learn the situation, he just, you know, barked like that at me. Sure. And then I had to calm him down and to explain the situation. And he was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. And then he did that. But his first instinct to do that. And then he tries to recruit me. And then he tries to... He was going through a certain bad situation where he was actually attacked online on Facebook. And I see him helping people. I see him volunteer organization. And I see a lot of people saying that John Worth has done so much. But there's a way that... He's not even in Korea right now. And he's trying to, like control the organization manage the organization i was like so why don't you have other people manage it or delegate mm-hmm. it's like goes and he says if i don't do it no, nothing will get done and i see that ego and i see that unwillingness to step down and i and i see that and i turned him down because like and he wanted me to join his organization and i was like no i i can't do that and he goes like let me tell you about some people who did certain uh who let for advocate for me and whatever and stuff like that he goes like no 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 and he said please don't message me again or i will block you and then i had to do that so mm. for me it's not just about money or it's not just about helping people it's just like there's certain character right yeah that's and like what you were saying uh what nate you were saying like certain people they chase it for the glory i guess helping people they want to show off that they're a good person they want to show they enjoy it a little bit too much Mm. they see like i help people i'm the savior and stuff like that and they want to be viewed like that and and i I look at it and go like why and and i couldn't join and i Mm. and i couldn't and i couldn't join pals and Mm. yeah but Ryan, he he also reached out to me and then he asked if I could design logos and do the stuff. But I'm sure you guys have... He's, he's really rich. <laughs> Make sure he's compensating you as much as the, the statistics company up in Seoul there. I'm sure you guys have a hundred stories about him. But, and everyone does. A hundred? Uh, no, that's just from last week. And everyone does. But from my experience, the way he's treated me, the way, even though I'm younger than him, 
and a lot of people would be and he's welcoming me into his company and a lot of people would try to manage me and say like i'm in charge you know it's like you do it my way and stuff like and we certainly definitely do it ryan's way a lot but he lets me he lets my talents thrive i guess he, well, we say if you if you hire someone that's the same as you then they're useless you gotta hire someone that's better than you mm-hmm yeah, and because other, why would I hire someone that's the same as me? I can already do it. I want to hire someone who's better than me, exactly. who can do what I can't do. Exactly. And, and then I have to be open to listening to your recommendations and suggestions. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I see the way he manages his teachers. Like he's firm on it. Like, um, please, uh, he's a, like beyond time. Let's clear that up. So he has this firm way of managing, but he's also kind and he's also lets people be themselves i mean i see a couple of teachers be their own silly selves with their emojis and their little jokes on the group chat and a lot of managers a lot of bosses would go like hey cut that out this is professional stuff being being kind and understanding and having empathy are some qualities that are severely lacking they're not helped at all by what's going on in america yeah but they're essential to having a peaceful place to live if we can't understand and we can't listen to each other and have empathy for people. I mean, sometimes it's not their fault. I, I mean, I was very ignorant to the facts when I was younger that just because someone looks this way or does this, you don't know why they're in that situation. Mm. And now every time before I think of judging or criticizing or thinking, I think, just, just hold back because you don't know what's going on in that person's life. And these days, there's so much stuff going on in people's lives. There are. You've got to be empathetic. You've got to be able to be understanding and, and see other people. I think you would agree that traveling the world and being in all these places opens your eyes and humbles you and allows you to be open to to taking things for what they're worth and not just assuming, guessing, and stereotyping. Yeah, and just just as I was saying about like how I try to follow people's visions and dreams, like Ryan has this like he's been teaching English a lot for companies and stuff like that, and he has this desire because he doesn't like the rote learning all the hagwons do. He doesn't like the constant tests, just trying to get that, and just you know repeating the same thing over and over and over. He wants an actual mastery, actual being competent in English. So and I, and I see that and goes like, yeah, Korea needs that bad because you tell a Korean to take a test or whatever and they get really good really good scores but you tell a korean to actually have a conversation with someone and they're like mm. just uh, just applying uh, yeah <clears throat> applying knowledge but exactly and he has that and he has a company where this there's this i guess company culture of people you know letting their talents thrive and letting them be themselves. I mean, I should be at work right now, but mm. he's letting me come onto the podcast and because he wants free advertising. <laughs> no, but the uh, it sounds like his it sounds like his um, his his approach to management. It's something that I was actually just doing in one of my uh, one of my readings. It's uh it's the approach called sounds like love and logic where you have your your strict boundaries like you like you said, you know, no coming late. Well, no, no smoking in the hagwon, but you know within here you you have the freedom to to express yourself or to yeah um, to to use your talents as as you see fit. Right? Yeah, and you've seen this mater- marketing material that I'm showing, and he's let my talents thrive, and I'm I giving, guess yeah. I, I find giving space, and that's something reflecting back. I had uh, I might have talked about it on here before, but one of a hagwon that I worked at. It was it was a friend a friend of my wife's that hired me, and I was I, I had to be there from for five hours a day, but my teaching hours were sometimes one or one or two, um, and 
I had all of the resources, all of the materials, and she's and the lady explained like, listen, on your off time, do whatever you want. Do you want to watch a movie today? Watch a movie. You want to create something new? Here's some ideas for a new class. What do you think? And it, it was paid, but having I had never had that experience of being paid just to kind of sit back and think like, what's next? Most hog ones are. You know, you teach this class and then this one and then this one. You get 10 minutes to eat and then this one. Giving giving uh, a creative person the, the space to um, to explore or create. Man, that's uh, Ryan's got it uh, got it nailed down there. He does. And you you guys talked about the, what is it? The Korean approach, that rutted path, right? Mm. And I agree fully with that. But I know that... I can't do a lot, but what I can do is walk my own path and try to be as successful as possible because I have so many friends who are kyopos, who are multiracial, who are poor, who are like me, who are Korean, but spend so much time in the West that it's become so much and they have a hard time acclimating. And you come here in Korea is Korea's a great country. We have great healthcare. We have nature. We have good infrastructure and a lot of stuff, but we're so conformist. We everyone dresses the same. Everyone dresses but, the same. But but that's yeah. I, I think that's due to the fact that the rise to prosperity was so fast, and I believe it's only Korea and Israel who have developed as quickly as they have under like every other country averages around a hundred years, I believe, yeah. from developing nation to developed. And Korea and, and Israel both made it in less than fifty, I believe, and that's that's part of the process of that, right? I mean, now. Now the thinking is catching up to the modern shell that that Samsung, Hyundai, LG have have provided. How about this? I like to shit on every kid wearing a North Face coat and everything. I just had <laughs> just had the, and I mean just the, it's standard. Like you said, everyone wants to, to have the same stuff. How about this for a, for a positive approach? If you're not worried so much about what you're wearing, or it sounds like a mouse, <laughs> it sounds like a mouse in here. The uh, you know, if you're, if that's not, if you don't have to worry about standing out or, or, or like you said, getting, getting hammered back down in a place as the, as the guy standing out, maybe that frees up more time to, to think about other stuff. Yeah. And that's why I really want, doc- I'm, I'm sorry to keep plugging. I'm sorry to, you know, be no, I'll delete all this after. <laughs> we'll send him the bill. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why I want Dr. English to succeed because we're not following the Korean style, the Korean, the Eastern, I guess, that rutted path mm. to success. We're, Ryan's doing his own American Western way, as he keeps saying it. But if this succeeds, it's, shifts Korean society to a little for me to do it my little Western way for to go against you know YBM Pagoda if Dr. English's Western style can succeed and the way that he wants to you know make it give provide value to people because he's providing lessons on mobile on computers and I'm trying to help as much as I can Mm. but if you can actually do that and if this succeeds then it shifts Korean society a little to see someone like me who Mm doesn't go to sky doesn't didn't graduate university but to be able to use my skills which i didn't even take like a graphic design course or a marketing or business course i literally just learned it from doing yeah doing and sometimes that's the the best way you don't need need the yeah 
and a little emulation, a little immersion, because I saw Andre like using Inkscape to make this little sticker and then stuff like that. And I asked him to teach me how, and then I started doing my own stuff. And I have a lot of friends who are in marketing or in business, and I talk to them about so much. And I guess I absorb that knowledge and things yeah. like that, and I try to do my best to apply it. Really it's not surround, surround yourself with. Uh you know with with positive people exactly but you'll, uh, you'll get it yeah and they're all english teachers and i'm like you guys have so much potential and i want to do so much and yeah that's why i want this to succeed because if i can succeed doing in a western way without walking that rutted path it makes it it blazes the trail a little for the kyopos for the multiracial kids for the western style korean stuff Absolutely. like that Okay, I want to I want to transition back to you came you came back from Dubai. You're back in Korea. Are you from Ulsan originally? Mm, no, I'm from this town called Anyang. Anyang not okay. not Anyang next yeah. to Ulsan called Anyang in Gyeonggi-do. Yeah, and that was my hometown. But what is it? Um, KNOC moved their headquarters here because I guess it's cheaper, and they wanted you right. know Ulsan to this to stimulate Ulsan's economy. So my dad moved here. Okay, so uh, that's what I, I was just wondering that part, and I, my question was going to be. Like I said earlier, you came on the Wilson Online, which is the foreign community yeah. online here, like a bat out of hell. Where did you come from? How long were you here before you popped up like a whack-a-mole in Wilson Online there? Like, <laughs> what, what were you doing? Like you said, were you hiding or where did you come from? And, and tell us a little bit about the, the thinking or the process. Like, it, it, you're sticking your neck out. I am. Like, people are ready to, to smash you down when you come into our comfort zone our safe space and you know you're providing lots of information but i know there's a lot of skeptics out there wondering who is this guy what's his qualification i saw lots of guys questioning you are you a scientist are you a data analysis are you who are you what are you and you you quickly diffused oh, the situations I calmly these, i have read these eight medical journals which i <laughs> which i've cited at the bottom of my post <laughs> which people can't dispute so just tell us a little bit where did you come from why did you feel the need um at that specific point to come in and, and now that you seem to have gained the trust and and respect of the community, um, how does it feel? Well, if I'm being entirely honest, I didn't want to stay in Korea. I didn't want to be the outsider here. So I was in Vancouver and I got my two years associate degree and I was going to apply for permanent residence status. And there's a long story there, but... <laughs> Another time, next time. Yeah, my nickname in college was Mom. <laughs> <laughs> because because whenever they used to hold parties, I used to make sure everybody drank water and I used to make sure people got home safe. Like when people were passed out, I made sure there was like a glass of water next to them and I made sure to put a blanket over them if it was too cold and stuff like that. And everyone used to call me mom because I make sure they That's got why to... Ryan hired you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, make sure, I'd make sure they get to class and everything. I'd make sure they go to class and everything because this was Vancouver. Every There was a lot, bunch of international kids who were just acting out and, you know, who were away from their comfort zone, away from their families and didn't have their structure. Absolutely. And I used to make chili, make food and stuff like mm. that. But... Make chili. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, <laughs> Going back to Texas. Yeah. And, well, an issue was um, I had a doctor's appointment for a condition I had, but instead of going to it, I helped a friend out with their visa application. And I should have gone to that doctor's appointment, but uh, I guess I'm a little bit too self-sacrificing. And my health condition got worse, and I was actually hospitalized for a while. 
and in general yeah, yeah and during my permanent residency application because i was in the hospital and i wasn't in fit medical condition oh. it was, oh. i was rejected and i had to come back and when you came back, you came back to Ulsan or back to Anyang? I was in Pundang, which is where my okay. family lives. And You're I in was... all the hockey cities, man. <laughs> Anyang and Pundang are great for playing hockey. <laughs> and I was kind of depressed for a while because I felt like I'd failed. Like I... At 22. <laughs> At 22, <laughs> I, f- I failed because I wanted to continue and get my degree. And I wanted to... And I was really depressed for a while. I felt like a shell of myself. And my dad goes like, uh, hey, I mean, Ursan, why don't you apply for Ursan University? You can, they'll accept you because you had your associates and you have a good TOEFL or TOEIC score. And I, at that time, I wasn't really making decisions for myself. I was just trying to get through the day. And mm. I said, okay. And I went to Ursan University and I felt that same hammered down, that same culture of just <laughs> completely beat me down. I was absolutely depressed and I just couldn't take it anymore. And so I told dad, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm dropping out. I, I can't do it anymore. And I dropped out and I was really, really depressed for a while. And like, I smelt, I spent a lot, and I had insomnia and I couldn't sleep even for an hour during the day. Like I grew, I hated the sound of birds because I would used to be in my bed and I would be trying to fall asleep, but I'd hear the sound of bird and birds and I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't sleep at all today. Listen, I'll punch a crow right in the face. <laughs> Dude, I hate crows. <laughs> and you know what? My kid makes crow noises too. Yeah. It, just, it yeah. burns me. And yeah. I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't studying. I wasn't reading. I wasn't improving myself. I was actually playing Pokemon Go and I was just walk around. <laughs> I would walk around the entirety of Ursan. And just playing Pokemon Go, and that's actually how I know like most of the cool places to go are in Ursan because I spent time at like three a.m. or four a.m. just walking around playing Pokemon Go, just like walking wherever I could go, like a dead man walking. Yeah, and but you're, you, I and then Corona came and saved you. Not no, no, well. <laughs> but I think what like um, you, I think you you have a um, a mind that. Uh, you think maybe you should always be making progress or always be, you know, be moving forward. But um, I was the same man, and there was a solid year of my life where it was like, you know, put the put the brakes on, take care of mental health, and then yeah. and then get back at it. Because that's you can be as strong in your in your body or, or as good at your uh, at what you do. But if your uh, if your mental health goes, which you have no no control over, man, and there's we've talked about it before but there's no sympathy for <laughs> you break your arm it's oh your arm hey listen i'm feeling a little depressed go sort that shit out by yourself that is is the is the feeling i got anyways but yeah and then like one day i was just still just walking around like a zombie and then it was it was around tewaru and i just mm. could see the sunrise and i just during that moment i just realized there's something there there's like is it, I, I don't know it's the human spirit is it i think you made a post on that yeah is it hope or is it something but there's something that you just can't be taken away from you right maybe yeah. it's human dignity maybe it's something it's hard to describe and put into words but in that moment of absolute abject misery i just saw the sunrise and i just realized life's not so bad life's it's not that life's so bad it's just like there's something inside of me there's something that can't be taken away yeah. mm. and I, I just realized that 
I just wanted to do something for my life. And I got, and I, and I started, and so I thought, why not learn to code? And actually, that's how I found Ursan online because uh, okay. first I found Free Code Camp Busan. And then through there, I found Ursan. And while I was Googling Ursan on Facebook groups, I found Ursan online, which was pretty big. And, and I just joined. How that. long ago was that? I think that was like last year, November or October oh, or something like so that. So you were just getting your feet wet. Yeah. And then, and then Corona came and, and, that now you've kind of become like a, I would say, mini celebrity. I mean, everyone, if we talked about Corona and who's helping, I mean, you and Professor Shin, I mean, yeah. have been invaluable to the to the foreigners' understanding of what's going on here. So you started the code camp? Yeah. And I, well, it's not really a boot camp or anything. It's just a meetup. Yeah. And I met Andre there. And Networking, I met, right? Yeah. Ben Meeting there. People, yeah. Ben there. And they gave me a place to grow. And actually, I consulted with them on a lot of my posts. And I asked Ben and Andre a lot, and they've actually nixed. They actually said, no, don't post this a lot. So you, <laughs> so I can't take all the credit for all that because they've given me input. Through, through yeah. the, Benny, the Benny's filter? Yeah. And Andre, he, has, his, he also has a biology degree. His degree is in genetics, and we talk about it a lot, and we share interests but yeah, a lot of the, re I know it's ridiculous to say, you know, I do my research on the internet and I post on Facebook. And if you, well, as soon as you hear that, it goes like, this guy is bullshit. But <laughs> no, 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 man, you've, you've helped, uh, helped a lot. And like you said, squashed a lot of, yeah. a lot of uh, small minded posts and, and, and angry and angry people who are not directly angry at you or what you're yeah. posting, but just at the situation in general. And I think you, you brought a lot of, uh, a lot of good ideas, facts and, and, uh, a sense of, uh, a sense of calm. I mean, your, your posts are, it's never doom and gloom, man. It's always, it always has a positive spin. Listen, we're at level, what's it? Level one is the lowest or is it go three? Is level like, one's the lowest. Okay. Yeah. We're, so, yeah. You know, we're at, we're at level 1.5. Hey, this is good, but don't get too comfortable. Keep your mask on. Don't be stupid, and and we're gonna be fine. I I expect, dude, your your uh, predictions. I uh, you know I, I expect the numbers to be reduced by mobile by the by this many or that many. It, it's so it, it's comforting, man. It, it's comforting to know that someone's doing the work for me. I guess. What, what is it like injecting yourself into? I mean, that group's been going for since the pair. So, God, probably ten years at least. Well, yeah. What is, what is it like? I mean, coming in there like a fire. <laughs> I just remember going, who is this guy? Holy man. Like a bat He's, out of hell. He, he must have drank six buckhus for breakfast. <laughs> Where did he get all this info from? And 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 then I, I think maybe I clicked your profile. And I was like, and he seems pretty young. Like, there's some... There's some wild personalities on here, man. I hope someone doesn't chew them out, or or if they do, I hope he can take it or understand that you know not everybody's like that, or he can handle the criticism. Or, but what what was it like inter interjecting yourself into that group and and you know becoming part of part of the team? Well, I wasn't. Well, not all of it was great because I've had a couple of arguments with people and I made a few mistakes. And that's it you're banned <laughs> cancel yeah I'm, I'm really glad if Jason Teal if, if, if you're listening to this then <laughs> thank you for the understanding and the the leeway you've given me I'm, I'm really grateful for it yeah. <laughs> well, well then I should come clean too because he had contacted me uh -huh. and said what do you think <laughs> because there's been some issues some problems whatever and I said listen the, the positives outweigh the negatives I mean he's too valuable to we, we gotta you know he's very valuable to the to the foreign community so yeah I agree yeah. well done Jay and well played yeah. thank you and Jay and K yeah honestly but 
it was the right thing at the right time. You it's you could say that like I'm I had biology, I had English, I had Korean, I had a little bit of research because I went to university, but research skills, but all of that it was chance, I guess. It was the right person at the right time. The planets aligned. Yeah. 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 And you I mean, you don't want to say fate or, or whatnot, but if you're prepared and the, and the opportunity presents itself, then you it's not luck or anything. And just, you're, you're, you were prepared. And yeah. It's the same as if you get a pile of money and a, and a good investment comes up. You, you and if you were looking at the group prior to posting going, holy man, everyone's scared shitless on here. No one knows what's actually going on. There's a lot of misinformation. Mm. It's a, it's an easier point maybe to, to come in than if there was already three experts on there, say, or something. So, yeah, I think yeah, the timing but, was probably ideal. What I'm, really, what I'm really grateful for is how the foreign community accepted me because, like, after a couple of arguments, after a couple of correcting misinformation, <laughs> after being attacked, I actually had to take a mental health break because I was checking Facebook. I had the app on my phone, and I was checking it, like, every five minutes. And oh. like, God, I, God, I hope yeah. this doesn't get out of control. God, I hope, God, I hope this, because, because I was worried because I heard stories about like some, because in a church in Korea they sprayed salt water and that is how coronavirus spread. And some people in the Middle East they drank like grain alcohol, grain right. ethanol alcohol, trying to cure coronavirus and they died. And some people doing like salt mist whatever, and I had to make salt and I. I had to ask some people to take some stuff down. I had to report some stuff to Jason and yeah. And yeah, it was, it was getting to me. It was getting to me because it was a lot to handle and I had to take a break and I, I, I informed that. And I had to say, you know, professor Shim, Shim is, has a lot of good information. Jason has, is riding the ship. He's, he's a good captain, you know, just, I'm going to take a break for a while and everybody just, Poor their support, their comments, the likes, the hearts, and stuff like that. And I just, I just yeah, because because we were like, where are you going? <laughs> you're you're like the lifeguard here. Yeah. We need you. Yeah. Where are you going? Yeah, and I was so and I was so and I was so grateful for that because to actually have that support and to actually know that there are people out there giving this appreciation. And just, how many are reading the information and appreciating it and not commenting? I mean, right? The comments are just a, a small portion of the people who take the time to yeah. to recognize you and to say thank you. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's it was a it was a lot. And even recently, I actually had to del I delete Facebook app from my phone. Actually, I did that. Yeah. That's that's actually why I was so late to contact you guys because I was like, you know what, I I, I seriously can't do this anymore because just have the messenger on there. I, that's the best. Maybe, but I also don't have messenger. But I I went through like a Facebook detox, and now I just access it through just the browser. And maybe I'll have the messenger on there. But I'm trying to find a like right balance because I do I. I refuse, man. I was checking it every six, waiting for the elevator. Turn it on. Doing this, turn it on. Yeah. But the messages, I think, are for us, anyways. It's pretty important to, to keep up to date. Yeah, because I was doing so much because I was posting on Usana Line. I was organizing a meetup here. Yeah. And I was organizing a Zoom meetup in Solar. Yeah. I was working on the project with Ben, Inspector O, and yeah. Jamie. And I was practicing guitar a performance with Luca Stadler here. Yeah. <laughs> and I was working for Dr. English and I was doing, and I was working on two other personal projects in my time. And I was like, that's something, man. I Burnout. You got to be careful, man. Yeah. So I, I had to take a step back and I, I didn't even have a haircut for four months. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. You got to, you got to take time for you. hundred percent. Exa exactly. Yeah. So I took a step, I took a step back for a while and I, and I relaxed and I chilled out and I, step back on a lot of stuff and i'm 
and the project I'm working on, the app thing, Ben built it. Ben, freaking thank you. And Jamie Fraser, Jamie Fraser, she's on our show. She took project lead on that. I asked her to take project lead on it and she led the project. She brought on a graphic designer. She organized it and then she helped make my vision come true. And I am so grateful. Jamie, if you're listening, you're an angel. I love you. We'll tag awesome. her. We'll tag her in the, in, the, in the episode there. But one thing just before we close here, you um, read one of your one of your posts on Facebook and it says you approach life very analytically. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you have a you have a good ballot for such a young guy again to bring up your age but uh, I think being very analytical and balancing that out with being very um, being very creative and mm. and with your uh, your data analysis paired with your uh, your design skills and I saw you playing Elvis there on the music uh, <laughs> and music and, and having Lakeside that ballad. that's a good uh, that's a good balance to have man and you got nothing but uh great potential for the future and we hope to uh hope to have you on again yeah i'd like to have you back regularly just you get so much insight and and i think you could provide a good uh perspective on lots of korean things that it's there's other people that can but but maybe it's a lot harder for them you we speak the same language in terms of communication not just the words coming out because you've you've lived and had so many experiences so I think it'd be great to have you back to discuss other things and maybe a little bit more depth and stuff, especially the identity one is really fascinating. And a lot of us and, and like people like my kids, they don't, they're not sure yet if they're, they tell mom they're Canadian, mm. but then they go to Canada and say, I'm Korean. <laughs> and then if we go live in a third country, you know, they're kind of lost and kind of floating. And there's a lot of these people around now with the globalization of the world. And I like that one thing that you said, I searched for so long for, finding a place where I have to belong. And now I've accepted I don't have to belong. Mm. I, I can just be myself wherever and, and do what I want to do. And I, I really, I really like that. Yeah. Um, give us, give us some closing remarks or what, what, where, what do you have in store for the near future? And uh, maybe a couple of closing remarks. Well, I have a lot of projects that I'm working <laughs> on and I, just like I mentioned, and I'm not doing them alone. I'm doing it with Ben. I'm doing it with I, I don't know if you know Cast Stone, if you know India Rowell, but I'm yeah. also doing a project with them. And I'm, I'm doing I'm doing a lot, so I guess stay tuned and I will guys, Nate, Ryan, thank you for having me on. Yeah. I will definitely come back. This was a really great experience. Thanks. And Thanks listen, if you coming. if you're worried about Dr. English telling you what hours to come in, <laughs> we'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna buy lunch next time. Uh, yeah. Guys, listen. Thanks, uh, thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to finally, uh, finally met you, man. So we'll uh, do this again soon. Yeah. All right, dude. See you guys.